Hi folks, I'm Alan Watson. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 31st of October 2011. For newcomers, I suggest you make use of the website CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and you'll find hundreds and hundreds of audios for free download for where I hope you'll get shortcuts really to understanding the system that you're living in. The one that the media would like you to think happens all by chance and crisis happening and, and crisis resolution and that kind of thing. To show you that the world's planned, the future's always planned, especially big changes. And they all must get the public really to go along with the, the crisis and the stampede. Uh, so that when they roll out their, their new world order idea or the new banking system or whatever it happens to be, you'll say, well, I guess they had to do it. We're in a terrible mess. And, and, and that's how the big boys always get what they want. Uh, they get you to almost demand and plead for them to fix something which seems to be broken. So help yourself to the audio. There's hundreds to choose from. As I say, two, all those sites listed on cuttingthroughthemeters.com, all those sites in that, in that page are the official sites. That's all I have. Anything outside that isn't mine. And they all carry transcripts in English for prints up of a lot of the talks I've given. And the Alan Watts Sentinel, Sentinel.eu site has transcripts in other languages for download. And remember, too, you are the audience that bring me to you. You can purchase the books and discs that I have on the, on the website there. Uh, that keeps me going. I don't bring on advertisers as guests. I don't push advertising. I do it the suicidal way, but uh, at least it gives me more more rope, you know, in a sense, to to say what I have to say at times um, uh, without sponsors uh, on your neck, basically. So if you want to buy the books from the U.S. to Canada, you can use a personal check or an international postal money order, or you can use PayPal. Uh, you can also use um, uh, Western Union if you're really stuck. They're kind of expensive. But across the world, you can uh, use Western Union if you're stuck with that. Or you have MoneyGram, it's a bit cheaper. And you can also use PayPal again to order. You'll find out how to do it at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And you can use the, the donation button and follow it with an email with name, address, and order. I'll get it out to you. And how to do it, as I say, is on the website. What I try to do here is to really chronicle uh, from the bringing the past to the present to show you how... All the major changes are planned far in advance of, of whatever, when the public actually hear about anything. Far in advance by big think tanks, uh, big foundations all working together. The parallel government, it's called by Carol Quigley, who was a historian for the CFR, Council on Foreign Relations. And Margaret Thatcher even mentioned that, that, that all ex-politicians at the top uh, were never retired. They're, they they join this parallel government because they can get more done. They know all other uh, politicians uh, that were high-ranking politicians and bureaucrats, and so they don't go to waste. They're sent across the world as technocrats, and they can get a lot done behind the scenes and are voted in, and uh, and therefore they can really rush ahead with the big plans and so on. And uh, mind you, they do get taxpayers' money awarded to them, as I mentioned last week. She claimed a few a few million pounds for supposed speaking at certain events. 
But they're technocrats, and technocrats, as I say, they're not responsible to the public. You can't vote them in or out. They're simply kind of uh, this semi-public appointees idea. It's it's a strange kind of thing, but they've been on the go for an awful long time. And these are the ones that Quigley said have the real power, the real power to get things done. And that's why you'll see the Kissinger's names pop up and the Brzezinski's names pop up and lots of ex-high politicians' names pop up as they travel, travel the globe. Um, filling their own pockets too, like Tony Blair, mind you, allowed to do multiple functions, including getting awfully rich, and uh, at the same time doing deals under the guise of charity work and stopping wars and that kind of thing. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix and, you know, every government, uh, because of the scandals that break out to do with money and boys at the top and, and greed, etc. and corruption, they, every government sets up agencies to oversee, supposedly, the particular part of corruption they want to keep in check. And we've all been through the plundering of the, the U.S. dollar, which affects the Canadian dollar and every other people's currency as well. We've seen thousands of folk lose their homes with incredible scams that the big boys, the biggest banks were, were, were playing on people. And we, we see the, the, the nonsense they hand out to the public as an excuse. Why these oversight agencies that's supposed to watch all this stuff just fail? And here's one here. And it's from the Security and Exchange Commission that's supposed to look out, uh, uh, over a lot of the scams at the top of the big banks. And it says, under Shapiro, Shapiro, that's who was appointed to it, uh, struggles to turn around amid political and financial headwinds. It says, um, she, pr- she promised tougher enforcement of the laws, war without quarter on financial fraud, modernized rules to keep up with Wall Street, and a new, more effective organization. And, and you know, you understand these are fluff jobs, because these organizations, these, these agencies oversee, quite often the people at the top are related to the guys in the Federal Reserve, or in the banks, quite often, to make sure that they don't work right. Anyway, since our tenure at the federal agency responsible for protecting investors and policing markets offers a Washington lesson. It says, even when epic crises create a sense of urgency, it's so tough to tighten the reins on powerful industries. Dramatic results can prove elusive. So anyway, she was put in charge of the, the, this particular agency. And she, on her watch, federal judges and other critics have accused the Securities and Exchange Commission of accepting feeble settlements in major cases of alleged corporate wrongdoing. The cases have reinforced the impression that the SEC lacks not only the means, but also the mindset to hold powerful wrongdoers accountable, perhaps because the agency is too close to the world it oversees. Well, the problem is, you see, the staff, it, it's like the Food and Drug Administration. They're all made up of people who work for Monsanto and the big pharma companies, and they go back and forth from the agency to the companies and back in again. And it's the same with this, this thing here. That's why everything's corrupt in the U.S. and elsewhere, too. It says, many new rules have been written, but other proposals have languished, including some that Shapiro says are badly needed. The SEC remains overstretched, short of expertise and at a technological disadvantage, though Shapiro has fought for funding to narrow the gap. By the way, her, her, her salary is about three point, three and a quarter million dollars a year. It's not bad, eh? Not bad. 
Glaring administrative blunders have weakened her hand and undermined the agency's moral authority, lawmakers say. Early in her tenure, Shapiro was summoned to Capitol Hill to to account for failures under her predecessor. Now she's called to answer for stumbles of her own. At a congressional hearing last month, the focus was on one of the SEC's self-inflicted wounds, an ethics scandal related to fallout from the the Bernard Madoff fraud, and the verdict was harsh. Uh, We are left with an SEC that's sapped off credibility. Randy uh, Nugenbauer said, he's from Texas, said in the prepared remarks. The damage to the public's trust is simply unacceptable. And and they all get in on the act, of course, but they all know what it's about. Shapiro says that she's made significant progress during uh, turning the agency around and that there's much more to do. From the time I arrived, I worked tirelessly to improve the agency, she said in an interview. To some extent, it's a resource question. That's because the salaries are given them all. You know, it's incredible. But then there's also the tremendous amount of accomplishment in the last two years that makes the agency more effective, stronger, and tougher than it's been in many years. You understand it's all rubbish, that, because uh, all the cash that, the, that were given for the bailouts, they immediately created new bubbles with them. That, that's where we're in the mess we are in today, in fact. So you don't even have a credible agency in any country, actually, that oversees anything uh, and does and acts responsibly for, for the positions they actually hold. That's just the way it is, folks. It's all rigged, you see. System's rigged. Like the stock market's rigged. Everything is rigged. Because these boys and girls have been at this thing for an awful, awful long, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years in the money business, believe you me. Now... There's an article here on uh, the, uh, the world economy on the verge of a new jobs recession. I love how they call it recession, eh? The economy is on the verge of a new and deeper jobs recession that may ignite social unrest, the International Labour Organization has warned. It will take at least five years for employment and advanced economies to return to pre-crisis levels, it said. I don't know how they can even work that out because they don't even know how much employment you're going to have in five years' time. and There's still uh, factories and businesses leaving the shores all the time. The ILO also said, uh, noted that 45 of the 118 countries it examined, the risk of social unrest was rising. Separately, the OECD research body said G20 leaders meeting in Cannes this week. They love to just travel across the globe eh, to sign the documents because that's all they do. All the Sherpas, the guys who do all before them, draft everything up over a year or two are the guys that do the work. Anyway, they're in Cannes this week to take a, a, to take a bold decision. The Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development said the rescue plan announced by the EU leaders on 26th of October had been an important first step, but the measures must be implemented promptly and forcefully. The, the, the whole idea is to, to, they're using all the crises that they can possibly create in order to completely unify Europe until there's no going back. You could never go back to anything remotely resembling any kind of sovereignty. So the OECD's message to world leaders came as it predicted a sharp slowdown in growth in the Eurozone and warned that some countries in the 70-nation bloc were likely to face negative growth. Negative growth, that means poverty. <laughs> you mean poverty, because taxes and else go up, right? Anyway, in its uh, World of Work report 2011, the ILO said a stalled global economic recovery had begun to dramatically affect labour markets. Approximately 80 million uh, net new jobs would be needed over the next two years to get back to pre-crisis employment levels. But it said the recent slowdown in growth suggested that only half the jobs needed would be created. 
We have reached the moment of truth. We have a brief window of opportunity. They love, they love these buzzwords like proactive and window of opportunity. And, you know, it's all given to them from the, the makers of this lingo at the top. To avoid a major double dip in employment. The group also measured levels of discontent over the lack of jobs and anger over perceptions that the burden of the crisis was not being fairly shared. Uh, it said scores of countries faced the possibility of social unrest, particularly those in the EU and the Arab region. Well, that's they're all getting bombed as well. I mean, they're destroying whatever work they have over there. But you see, understand, as I say, um, most articles you, you read are, are simply describing the des- desired conditions for something bigger to come. Because remember, it's a world agenda, and the whole world must be shaken in all of its different areas of, of how it stands. Each country stands with the economies, the labor markets, and uh, taxations, etc., etc., etc. So they must shake the whole world to prove to everybody, you see, just like any war, because wars are meant to change societies. That's one of the prime objectives of war. A war on the world is to get everyone on their knees until they say, we say, please help us get things back to some semblance of normalcy. And they say, well, look, we can, but you'll have to, we'll have to go global. We'll have to have global government, actually, not just governance, but actual government to, to manage all the cash and all the policies, etc., etc. That's That's the name of the game here, and that's what it's all for. Now, I'm putting some, some links tonight, too, on biometrics and various other things, but one is about... Uh, it's governments and law enforcement and commercial and the organizations that are working with them. And one is uh, 3M Cogent is called Biometric Identification Systems. Europe just announced they're going to use them, and they've just announced, too, they're going to be using them on the Canadian and U.S. border uh, as well. It says, for government agencies requiring large-scale, user-friendly, real-time identification solutions, 3M Cogent's technology can be tailored to meet the most stringent accuracy and thorough requirements, etc., etc. So in other words, it allows law, law, uh, law enforcers to bypass, without even using filters, all stuff and get into really accurate records kept on just about everybody. Which tells you they have incredible records kept on everybody. So that they can pass people through quickly or grab them at border locations. And they've got all your, your photo IDs and everything else, uh, iris scans, you name it. Whatever they've got on you is in there, and they get instant access to it. So I'll put this link up, and you can have a, a, a look at it. It's part of, this division is part of the global biometric identification uh, outfit that's really going to be the world identifier. Eventually be one world computer that will do the whole lot. And... And and then this, this one here in the EU about the same thing says so the EU mulls smart biometric borders. How come they're all mulling it on the same day? Canada, the US, and the EU countries, and other ones too, all on the same day, eh? That's see, understand the media have access to all the same data I read off here, and they can put they can put two and two together if they want to. Rather than to say the whole world this day. And every every block or, or nation block or whatever is mulling over smart biometrics to try and separate it. So you think, oh, that's just Europe doing it. So folk in Europe think, oh, nobody else is doing it. We're in, in America, they think, well, no one else is doing it. It's global. Everything that happens is put out globally all at once, which tells you that all the countries cooperate together at a very high level. 
the European Commission has adopted a communication which sets out the main options for using new technologies such as biometrics to simplify life for foreigners frequently travelling to the EU and to better monitor third country nationals crossing the borders. And that's all I'll read of it. You can read all the rest of it yourself. And it's the same thing with Canada and the States. There's a link for that today as well. But it's to show you to understand that um, it's, like, it's like the movie, it was called Fortress. I don't know if you ever saw that one. It depicted a kind of futuristic society where if you were pregnant, that was a, a, a major crime, uh, unauthorized pregnancies. And if you try to cross the borders, any borders and checkpoints, uh, and you're pregnant and you were caught, it was instant in the worst kind of slammer. And you can imagine with prisons underground, built underground. And it was quite good. You could watch it. There's Fortress 1, 2, and even 3, I think, were out there. Well, this is all to do with that. You see, this stuff is to keep you in-locked in your countries if you're unauthorized. That's what it's all for. Back with more after this. Hi, folks. I'm back, and we're cutting through the matrix. I remember talking about uh, Tony Blair when he told his his top advisor, he says, well, he opened the, the gates, the floodgates of Britain to immigration. And part of the reason was to destroy the culture of Britain forever so that it would never, ever reemerge. And it's resurfaced again. Tony Blair, in fact, has come out recently, maybe because I kept harping on about it, and uh, and justified uh, mass immigration and and multiculturalism and it's the greatest thing that's ever happened. So he had to answer it for eventually. But they kept this secret from the public for years that they'd actually made it their policy to open the floodgates. And uh, as I say, there's articles with the, his top advisor coming, up, coming out. I'll put them up tonight too. You can read them for yourself where Blair told them what the real objective was. And it's only now too that uh, a lot of the people, the native British people that were leaving the Labour Party in droves when they understood what was happening, when, when these foreigners were coming in taking all their jobs over, uh, priority hiring, etc., uh, that they started to leave the Labour Party. So that's the real reason, I guess, why Blair's come out and tried to justify that position. But, uh, but it's amazing that they say that there's so much immigration now that, that they have to build a city the size of Manchester every year to house, if they were to house them all. That's how, how, how many is coming in. It's just incredible. But that's part of the whole thing too. Remember, you can use many tech, there's many techniques used in warfare. And mass migration is one of them. Don't, don't forget that. We never think of these things. But the big boys, believe you me, who've been at this game for, oh, many, many centuries, uh, understand this very, very well. In fact, it's a very old technique. Very old technique. In ancient times, conquerors used to move whole populations off their land and move them somewhere else sometimes. And in another country that they, they conquered as well. And and uh, nothing's really changed. Nothing's really changed from then. And we find, too, that behavior modification is, all, is not a new thing at all in the workforce because at the beginning of the 20th century, you had the time and motions, men they called it, who would come in and study people in factories and try to find ways to make them work more harder, faster, more efficiently, uh, and almost like making them part of the machine and it caused an awful lot of friction. They've had different names to make it more gentler sounding today, but they still exist. Uh, but they also go into other ways of behavior modification as well. 
And, of course, everyone is using the, the, the financial crisis to, to push forward um, various objectives. So firms are to charge smokers and obese people more, it says. Like a lot of companies, Viridian Credit Union wants its employees to be healthier because they care about you, right? In January, the Waterloo, Iowa company uh, rolled out a wellness program. I wonder what wellness is, you know. Uh, and voluntary screenings. It also gave workers a mandate, quit smoking, curb obesity, or you'll be paying higher health care costs in 2013. It doesn't yet know by how much, but one thing's for certain, unhealthy will, be, will pay more. The union, which has more than 500 employees, is not alone. It says in recent years a growing number of companies have been encouraging it says uh, workers to voluntarily improve their health to control escalating insurance costs. And while workers mostly like, it's interesting insurance companies, you know, most massive building projects today are not, it's not money from banks, it's money from insurance companies. They're the richest of all. The big, big projects, massive road projects, building things across the world and so on, that's what they do. And they exist as a business for pure profit, obviously. And they'd like no one to claim anything on their insurance. But they're using every excuse now to to reap an even more profit, of course. And folk let them. Yeah. This is where workers mostly like to see an employer offer smoking uh, cessation classes and weight loss programs. Too few are signing up or showing signs of improvement. So now more employers are trying a different strategy. They're placing the carrot with a stick. So you're just getting trained like animals. And raising costs for workers who can't seem to lower their cholesterol or tackle obesity, which is crazy because a lot of people, uh, in an, even on vegetarian diets, um, uh, you produce the cholesterol in your own body. You know, it doesn't matter what you're eating. Never mind the fact that your brain is almost all cholesterol, and you certainly need that to work. I mean, maybe they don't, mind you, if, you, if you're a worker. They want you to be a, an automaton, I guess. Anyway, they're also coming down hard on smokers. And it says uh, Walmart's one, a good example of, of how they're, they're really going into it, etc. They're going to charge tobacco users higher premiums, but also for free smoking cessation programs. So, again, behavior modification Etc. At one time, it just uh, you exchange your labour for for for, for the, the um, paycheck, and that was it. But no, they go, they can't stop. You see, they can't stop, and uh, they just want massive profits, and they want to cut back their insurance, and insurance wants to pay no uh, outlay at all. They want all its profits so they can invest it in other things. Prince Charles, they always say that they're figureheads at the top. These these figureheads still have uh, powers. They still, you know, every government employee. Right to the postman in the British Commonwealth countries has to vow loyalty to the crown, not to the country. And same with the military, which is a scary thing when you think about it, and the police. And anyway, they're, they're anything but figureheads. Prince Charles has been offered a veto over 12 government bills since 2005. They, they've always had vetoes over anything that, that's going through Parliament. And it says... Um, Ministers have been forced to seek permission from Prince Charles to pass at least a dozen government bills according to a Guardian investigation into a secretive constitutional loophole that gives him the right to veto legislation that may affect his private interests. Isn't that democracy? Isn't the home democracy? Britain's a home of democracy, they say. Yeah. Since 2005, ministers from six departments have sought the Prince of Wales' consent to draft bills on everything from road safety to gambling and the London Olympics. But then it goes into his own particular property and how it affects him and what he does. I'll read about that when I come back from this break.
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the Matrix, talking about how the Prince of Wales, or Charlie, can actually go in and get bills kicked out if they're going to affect his property interests. And it says, it said here that unlike royal assent to bills, which is exercised by the Queen, that's for all the British Commonwealth countries, any bill that Parliament tries to put through has to be stamped and rubber approved by, uh, rubber stamped by the Queen, or else she says yea or nay. Or she can add to it or change it. Anyway, it says, unlike those bills which are exercised by the Queen as a matter of constitutional law, and the Constitution has never been written, so it's very flexible. The Prince's power applies when a new bill might affect his own interests, in particular the Duchy of Cornwall, a private £700 million property empire that last year provided him with an income of £18 million. At least that's what he declared, a lot more than that, believe me. Neither the government nor Clarence House will reveal what, if any, alterations to legislation Charles has requested, or exactly why he was asked to grant consent to such a wide range of laws. Correspondence seen by The Guardian reveals that one minister wrote to the Prince's office requesting his consent to a new bill about planning reform because it was capable of applying to the Prince of Wales' private interests. So in other words, a politician wrote to him that's in charge of this particular area who either wants to get knighted or he's already been knighted, he's part of the club, and he tipped him off uh, about this bill so that Charlie could get it changed. In the last two parliamentary sessions, Charles has been asked to consent to draft bills on rec removals and cooperative societies. A freedom of information request to the House of Commons has revealed between 2007 to 9, he was consulted on bills relating to coroners, economic development and construction, marine and coastal access, housing and regeneration, energy and planning. He's got his nose into all these things for the, the greening of society because he doesn't want all these peasants around anymore. Yeah. MPs and peers calls for the immediate publication of details about the application of the Prince's powers, which have fueled concern over his alleged meddling in British politics. If princes and paupers are to live as equals in a modern Britain, <laughs> yeah. did you have a business like you got, you know, a run for you? You probably never even doesn't know how it works, probably. Anyone who enjoys exceptional influence or veto should exercise it with complete transparency, said Andrew George, Liberal Democrat MP for St. Ives in Cornwall. The Duchy asserts that it's merely a private estate. Most people will be astonished to learn that it appears to have effective powers of veto over the government. We should know why he's been asked and the government should publish the answers, said Lord Berkeley, who was last month told to seek Charles's consent on a marine navigation bill. If he is given these powers purely because he owns land in Cornwall, it's pretty stupid. What about the other landowners who must also be affected by changes to legislation? Revelations about Charles's power of consent come amid continued concern that the heir to the throne may be overstepping his constitutional role by lobbying ministers directly and through his charities, they call them charities, all the greening stuff, on pet concerns such as traditional architecture and the environment. So anyway, uh, there's, there, as I say, there are anything but, uh, but puppets. And uh, Charles has got his rather elongated nose into everything there. Uh, and uh, that shouldn't happen at all. To show you how far societies degenerate, and we, we do degenerate the end of an era, you know. Uh, in fact, those who want 
that uh, to to rule the next phase always helped and actually make it degenerate. And those are the culture creators through all your movies, your 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 TV, etc., magazines. They degenerate the culture and all this, the traditional ways. In fact, it's always traditional ways because they've, they've worked before. They'll always work again. You see, why change it? And uh, and so they make you degenerate to the end of a society that's falling apart. And you see the oddest things like old Rome. As I said, there are big parties and grotesque uh, situations crop up here and there. So uh, this is one about Heidi Klum, who is in the papers. I guess she's a model. Goes all out. She's wheeled into an annual party on an autopsy table. It says, but there's no chance of anyone upstaging Heidi Klum at her party last night. The 38-year-old model was wheeled into the event on an autopsy table by two blood-spattered doctors. Her most intricate Halloween outfit yet, but as she says, she went all out for her annual party and was wielding it, blah, blah, blah. It says, um, and when they lifted the sheet, Clum's outfit could be seen in its entirety with the intricacies of the costume clear to see. Actually, it's all paintbrushed on her and airbrushed on her. She's, she's naked in her words, but to show her veins and stuff as though they'd pretty well partially skinned her in a, in a real autopsy. And this is how, how they go to a party. Uh, these days. Another one is to do with um, one of the biggest law companies that uh, possesses the homes during all the frauds and, and, and the scandals in the states when it, from the big banks and evicts people uh, and, makes, and just takes their homes from them. Uh, I'll put that link up too. Uh, they had their Halloween party where, you know, ha ha ha, they all went dressed up as homeless people for a good laugh. The people who actually make you homeless. Yeah. You're going to see more and more of this. This, this kind of arrogance uh, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, disgusting behavior creep, creep on as we go down the tubes. Because society has no morality anymore today. They have no common sense in morality either. It's all gone. Now, Climate Gate 2 came out because we've all watched the, uh, the, the, the new studies proving global warming's real, all recently thrown out by this from the same sources and parted by all the rest of the, the armies they have on board with it. And then we find out it's bogus again. It says, Climate Gate 2 science settling study proving global warming allegedly shows that there's none. And it says, a week ago, a busy blog in Newsbusters, I noted how Charleston Daily Mail blogger Don Serber quickly determined through all of a few minutes of internet research that Berkeley professor Robert Mueller, who convinced Washington Post plumbline blogger Brad Plummer that he was a climate skeptic, has been a believer in human-caused global warming since the early 1980s. Mueller's pretense to have held beliefs differing from his true past may be the least of his problems. A story breaking in the UK contends that results obtained by the professor's best BEST Berkeley Air Surface Temperatures project team, instead of settling the debate in favour of warmest, showed that global warming has stopped. If so, this is potentially as explosive as high the decline conspiracy uncovered almost two years ago when the climate gain gate emails surfaced. I'll put this up as well, and you'll see how they actually um, hid the truth uh, and published a lot of BS again, uh, top professors, uh, because it's an agenda. It must go through regardless of reality as an agenda for a new economic system which controls all of society right down to the individual through austerity and carbon taxes, etc. But as I say, it's all been fudged once again and it's blown out. It won't make any difference. It won't make any difference at all. But regardless, at least it's blown out. And 
Also from Bloomberg, European bailout fund could one day issue bonds in, in the yuan, uh, Regling says. Uh, so we know for a fact that they've made the deal with China to buy the bonds so they can borrow more money uh, from the private bankers, the 13 families, 12, 13 families, uh, and throw it in the black, big black hole uh, that they can't plug in the euro, apparently. And uh, they'll continue doing this for a while. So they might eventually issue the bonds directly in the UN. I'll put that link up as well. And then we find Obama. This, the North, free, the North uh, American Free Trade Summit is going ahead. It still goes on. Generally, folk don't read it uh, or, or don't hear of it. But um, it does go on as they sign more and more deeper integration agreements to be more like Europe. And then we'll have our own black hole to fill as well as to fill plugs in, in Paraguay or wherever uh, the hole happens to be. This is U.S. President Barack Obama will host the North American Leaders Summit for his counterparts from Canada and Mexico next month in his native Hawaii. His native Hawaii, what a joke. The White House said Friday, I guess that's a white lie. Obama says he, he, he talks with the President uh, uh, Philip Calderon and Canadian Prime Minister Stephen Harper in Honolulu, and they'll focus on competitiveness, citizen security, energy, and climate change. And that's your cover story. And North Americans' role in the Americas, as well as, an, as a global economic, political, and security issue, he says, the White House said. So it's all one big issue itself. Cauldron hosted the last uh, such summit for three nations, all members of the North American Free Trade Agreement, NAFTA, and Guadalajara two years ago. Canada and U.S. have, co- have one of the closest bilateral relations in the world with a trade of 1.6 billion a day in goods. Well, 360,000 people cross the long border daily, according to U.S. statistics. Those are the goody ones with the biometric uh, passes. Besides trade, the two allies also cooperate extensively on air defense and border issues. This is a, 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 this is a fluff piece because they're not telling you what they're really all about, you know. And um, it's got related articles at the bottom. The three, the, the three new amigos plan November summit talks. But also, too, um, they're having the meeting about the same time with the, with other countries from the, from the, the, the North American and Pacific Rim group, uh, to see about even merging them all closer together. We're all getting merged closer together to do with free trade, etc., etc. And free, uh, uh, not as free, you know, goods passing borders, but again, it's also labor passing borders. As well, just like Britain and elsewhere. That's what it's for. And the Metro Police spend millions of pounds on secret aircraft. Metropolitan Police has secret spy planes capable of eavesdropping on mobile phone calls from the sky. What a wonderful world we've got now, eh? The existence of the fleet of planes is costing at least three million pounds. It's amazing how there's no shortage of cash to, 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 to spy on the cattle down below, eh? To purchase, an, uh, to purchase and hundreds of thousands more to operate and have never been publicly disclosed. They've kept it all secret. They've been using the plane since at least 1997. That's good. See, there's good secrecy for you. The disclosure of the spending, which is not detailed in official accounts, comes as the police face 20% cuts in their budget, creating fears that hundreds of support staff will lose their jobs and number of officers are reduced. Despite the cuts, the Met's secret fixed-wing aircraft fleet is still flying regular sorties over London from a base at Farnborough Airport in Hampshire. 
The planes have apparently been fitted with secret surveillance equipment capable of intercepting mobile phone calls or eavesdropping on conversations. I bet you can do a lot more than that, too. I bet you can see through your walls and uh, uh, infrared, all, all the usual stuff. And again, there's a bunch of links there as well. I'll put all these links up tonight at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And again, I'm putting up uh, an update to the New Scientist article about the capitalist network that runs the world. And it's all the big banks. It's the big banks that own the big companies in the military-industrial complex. The ones that all got bailed out, by the way, all these banks. It says the capitalist network that runs the world, and it's got a list of the top ones and how they interact with each other. And they certainly do interact with each other. They're very, very, very powerful indeed. I'll also put up video, uh, again back to Britain, to do with um, the mass immigration policy and what it was really all about. And, and you'll hear a guy talking to the guy who blew it in the first place to the public. And he got very, made very unpopular amongst the Labour Party for actually doing that. And also to do with... Uh, uh, the foreclosure laws. This is the Halloween party I was talking about earlier. It says that the top, a top U.S. foreclosure law firm threw a Halloween party where the staff dressed as foreclosed upon Americans. It says, on Friday, the law firm of Stephen Jai Baum uh, threw a Halloween party. The firm, which is located near Buffalo, is what is commonly referred to as a foreclosure mill firm, meaning it represents banks and mortgage services as the attempt to foreclose on homeowners and evict them from their homes. Stephen Jai Baum is in fact the largest such firm in New York. It represents virtually all the giant mortgage lenders, including Citigroup, JP Morgan Chase, Bank of America and Wells Fargo. The party is the firm's big annual bash. Employees wear Halloween costumes to the office where they party until around noon and then return to work still in costume. I can't tell you how people uh, dressed for this year's party. I can tell you about last year's party. So this was last year's when it was really the heights of the of the whole evictions process thing. That's because a former employee of Stephen Jai Baum recently sent me snapshots of last year's party, and it says um, uh, that she wanted me to see them because they showed an appalling lack of compassion towards the homeowners, invariably poor and down on their luck. But the, the Baum firm had bought foreclosures proceedings against anyway. And uh, so they dressed up as the homeless people and had a good old laugh at the poor schmucks that they're chucking out their homes because of their pals in the banking industry or relatives in the banking industry that had, you know, done all the scams with the passing all the mortgages around and up and up and up and inflating the prices all the time. Quite something, eh? More than 150,000 Mexican cargo trucks now await U.S. permits. Eleven Mexican trucking companies hope to join a pilot program. They could see more than 150,000 vehicles delivering products to destinations deep inside the U.S. states by year-end, the vice president of the the Canacar Transport Association said. Eight of the eleven firms have already submitted applications and are awaiting response from the U.S. Transportation Department, Luis Moreno said. It was only last Friday that a Mexican long-haul truck became the first to deliver a shipment to the U.S. interior, under the revived pilot program. Nearly two decades after the North American Free Trade Agreement linking the U.S., Mexico, and Canada came into force in 1994, a Mexican trucking company began shipping cargo beyond a buffer zone near the border. 
There are eight or nine companies enrolled in the program. More don't yet have permission from the U.S. to enter, Marina told reporters. Each firm accepted into the pilot program must undergo an 18-month probationary period to become eligible for a permanent U.S. operating license, he said. By the end of 2011, Moreno expects that some 150,000 Mexican trucks will be authorized to travel beyond the narrow border strip. Around 70% of the $400 billion in goods that pass between Mexico and the U.S. every year are transported by truck. That's generally one way. Before the renewal of the pilot program, Mexican trucks were not allowed beyond a 25-mile buffer for zone, where the cargo was typically transferred to U.S. tractor trailers, a process criticized as inefficient and expensive, etc., etc. So that's what's happening there too. Uh, and up a lot of the big trucking ones out of business again within the U.S. because they can go all the way now rather than hand it over to the U.S. trucking uh, truckers. And... I also want to mention this other article, too, to, again, to do with mass immigration. And it says, Migration Watch is a, it's not a bad article on it. It reaches the censored government paper, which outlines the political objectives of mass immigration, that, as it was discussed by the party itself in the UK, and its real objectives. And it was, too, to destroy the culture, etc., and make it uh, really multicultural, which is nothing. See, understand that multicultural is nothing. It's no culture. Is to create a new culture. You cannot have uh, multicultural all this. Eventually it gets to the stage where it's just one strange mass of strange ideas that don't quite gel with each other. And even the people themselves lose uh, their identity as the longer they stay in a country or their second generation. So you end up with this new mush. The real objective is simply to destroy the old culture. And that's, of course, what Tony Blair actually said. It was all to be about. And eventually understand you won't be allowed out your countries if you don't have certain qualifications, very high qualifications, creme de la creme, like Jack Satali said, and that they really need you somewhere else. Back with more after this break. I'm back and we're cutting through the matrix. And remember, I'll put all these links up tonight after the broadcast ends. But there's a, a caller from Arkansas. It's Joey from Arkansas. Are you there? Hey, Alan. Yes. Um, the uh, planned shutdown or reboot of uh, FCC, mm-hmm. the airwaves and radio broadcast on the 8th and the 9th, mm-hmm. I've heard about uh, a couple of explanation or speculation why that is. And uh, I was wondering if that is connected somehow to the um, the asteroid that's coming in on the same day. Mm-hmm. I, I doubt it, to be honest with you. I I, I don't think so. Um, uh, I don't really fall for these asteroids and so on. Believe you me, believe you me, if an asteroid was coming in, uh, you would see so many preparations for it happening uh, that you couldn't miss it. It would be so evident to, to everyone. But uh, I, I don't think that would be the, the reason for it. You know. Okay, because I went to NASA.gov and that asteroid is going to come in inside the moon's orbit. So, mm-hmm. you know, and they were talking about disruptions and all that, you know, not very significant. But then again, you know, on the same, on the same time that that asteroid is passing by, they're going to 
Um, essentially cut off the broadcast and yeah the only way could cut off a broadcast is if it got between the satellite and the earth and, and that's that won't be the, the case i think so it's uh it's um I, I wouldn't really connect that with it at all no. so it's not connected you don't think no no okay what about the uh i was uh, i also uh, listened today about all the hype they they're 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 putting out about the seven seven billion baby in the philippines Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, it's, it's ironic because there's a battle in the Senate right now for a reproductive health care bill over there about you know overpopulation and all that, and that's where the yeah. seven yeah. seven billion baby you know happened. Yeah, they do this every year, and it comes it, start, it comes from actually the Department of Population of the United Nations. They're really behind it. And every year, they always put out the same thing, what happened in this country or that country, and they hype it up, even though their own statistics show, show that the global population in the West, in all the Western countries or the first world countries, are, have been falling, they've been plummeting for years, actually. So they know darn well, even from their own think tanks, that in a few years' time, uh, we'll, we're on the way to, to deep underpopulation, actually. Some countries in the, in the first world countries don't even have replacement levels. And, and they, they've talked about that too. So it's all chronology. You understand, it's nothing to do with overpopulation. They want the world brought down in a post, uh, in, a, in a scientific age, for a scientific age. They don't need all of the people anymore. They only need one country to produce the goods. That's China. That's why they set it up to be the manufacturer for the world. And even that, they'll, they'll, they'll depopulate big time because they won't even need, need all of them to cater to a few million elites. Uh, and and sci- a scientific class. That's what they want. And uh, the Georgia Guidestones, of course, gives you the population figures that they actually are heading for. Nothing to do with overpopulation at all. But we, we understand all this is to convince the general public for sterilization programs and so on and the necessities for them. It's, it, all these things are for the public to, to really start to believe in. That's what it's for. And uh, remember, too, the, the, the Department of Population and the World Health Organization have been using a, a massive umbrella group for, for sterilization across the world for years. They did it in Peru a few years ago. Uh, they're actually sterilizing women under the guise of giving them other operations. They're actually sterilizing them. I read them on the air here. They're doing it all over the darn globe, and they want to get in the Philippines to do the same darn thing and to get us all to agree with it. It's all lies. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I went to the World Bank uh, website last night, and Zolik was uh, the president was in the Philippines three days ago, and uh, uh-huh. and uh, was really uh, um, uh, pumping up the cash conditional program they have over there, where they give it to families as long as they get vaccinated. So that, that's right. Kissinger brought his bill out. Remember, years ago, about third world countries how they'd have to depopulate them, uh, basically by force. Yeah. But thanks for calling from Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada. It's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you. Remember, buy the books and donate and help keep me going. I don't use any emotive um, huxter, uh, hucksterism to, to get the cash in. So it's up to you if you want to hear this or not. Thanks for listening. <laughs>